peace, namaste, and shalom. Everybody out there in dreamland, I am the beyond top secret Texan. Join me on my podcast, the Beyond Top Secret Texan podcast, where I explore the outer limits of human abilities, top secret military technologies, the reality of extraterrestrial Earth alliances, secret space wars, advanced cryptozoology, subjects of theosophic truth, esotericism, and the occult. Beyond the Top Secret Texan Podcast. Greetings everybody out there in dreamland. Namaste and shalom. Iron sharpens iron and a friend sharpens a friend. Thank you all very much, listeners new and old, for tuning into another broadcast of the Beyond Top Secret Texan. I am the Beyond Top Secret Texan, broadcasting to you from the third coast, the coast with the most, the Gulf Coast of Texas, and it is my pride and privilege to be doing so. Thank you all. Thank you so very much in advance for sticking around to the very end of this, as well as checking out the archive of episodes that I have uploaded on podcast format, which can be found on either my webpage, podpage.com slash beyond top secret Texan, or for example, any of the podcast sites used by millions and millions of people around the world, such as iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc., 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 and the list goes on. It really does. So thank you all. If you don't want to listen through the app, I understand, or any apps, you can go through the browser, which is podpage.com slash beyondtopsecrettexan, and if you don't want to remember any links or anything, use the one link that you're going to need and only link you're going to need, which is linktree slash beyondtopsecrettexan, linktree slash beyond top secret texan type that in it'll pull it right up all the web activity that i have is on there all my social media that's current and relevant as well as links so that you can follow like my uh, content and share it yourself amongst your friend circle or on your favorite websites like reddit 4chan etc thank you all in advance for that and thank you all who have supported in the past during the Patreon days, but the Patreon has kicked me out, has kicked me to the curb, and that has already been almost a full year since the last Patreon did that. And, you know, I would deeply, deeply appreciate you guys uh, for remembering if, you know, to support when you have a dollar to share. It goes a long, long way. Every cent is used to fund the program. Every cent is used to afford more technology. And currently the project for night camping will need night vision goggles. But luckily, they're only a couple hundred dollars via Amazon. And every dollar could count. The greatest rivers and oceans are made from the smallest raindrops. If you got a dollar to spare, consider tipping through Twitter. Consider symbolically joining through Anchor as a subscriber. And I will be up front. There is no hidden content like there was through Patreon. There is no hidden content or incentive for this. It is symbolically a sign of support for the Beyond Top Secret Texan. With every sense going towards more professionally produced podcast episodes, uh, documentary style releases, as well as uh, improved guests. Let's just say it that way. Improved guest experiences. Deeply, deeply appreciate every single one of you who has supported in the past. And if you're listening to this, most likely in the future, those in the future, 
Thank you for keeping this podcast relevant and alive. Without your observations, we would simply cease to exist. As someone from the past thinking you from the future. Thank you. Most sincerely. For giving me your attention. And that's because the future's awareness of the past in many ways helps create it, helps make it real. And only the remembrance of the past keeps it in existence in any meaningful way. But this may not be entirely accurate. For that was conventional knowledge speaking. The paranormal. The supernatural. Indeed terrifies us because it throws our assumptions and orientations of reality itself completely out the window. Into the wind's of chaos to be blown across the lands of disorder. The paranormal and specifically hauntings, which many of these stories are, although they do also include cryptid stories, if you've listened to the past two episodes, highly encourage that you go back and listen to episodes part one and two for these kinds of stories uh, to get, you know, just the full picture and keep be current and everything with it, but you can start anywhere, and this episode's as good as anywhere to start. But keep in mind that there's this ample selection of cryptids, UFOs, as well as an enormous amount of ghosts, spirits, hauntings lingering oppressive presences of the dead and these hauntings almost overwhelmingly occur and are observed by those without full or clear knowledge of the past specifically what occurred to cause these hauntings But these ghosts prove that that is not necessary for the immortality of their existence, or at least longevity of their existence, to be very clearly understandable in the form of hauntings, the form of fear, the form of horror. Experienced not only by these that have selected to speak about these matters through their paranormal stories in their time in the military, in their time um, enlisted or serving as officers on tours of duty, posted to bases both Conus and Oconus. And who we thank not only for their stories, but also their service. Now, if these men can attest to the fear these incidences caused, and these words really do no justice the physical sensations of having to make sense of these as experiences so keep that in mind like I said this is a good enough the place to start as any but this being the third that needs to be said that these men are trying their best to explain physically the most paranormal events that literally throw the rules of our linear physical materialist reality 
into total chaos by their mere existence. So here we are, 20 paranormal stories by Military Anons, Part 3. PD help. This is story one. PD help. It was the final phase of JRTC. My platoon got attached to 133, our brigade's CAV scout unit for route clearance. Ten of us got attached to one of their platoons, so we cleared about four miles ahead and stopped at a clearing that used to be used for mortar shelling. The clearing was about 800 meters long, 400 meters wide. We were at the southwest corner in the shell of what used to be a tank. The first day, nothing weird happened, but the second evening, shit started getting weird. Right as the sun was setting about halfway across the opening on the west side, about 40 to 50 coyotes started yipping like crazy. Then about 10 seconds after that, they started another large group started going crazy about 80 meters behind us, and both groups went crazy for about 30 seconds. Then at the same time, everything stopped. You could hear a pin drop. It was so quiet, then one lone howl came from the center of the opening. But it wasn't a coyote. It was deeper than a wolf's howl. After that, during the guard shift, one of our guys, Petey, was on the 240 on top of the tank pulling security. He heard in my voice, Petey, help, yelled from the wood line. I was sleeping in the tank at the time. Then about two hours later, one of the other guys was on shift, and he heard someone yelling help from the wood line, but it used a different voice that sounded like one of our guys that was with the other half of our platoon. The next day, we finally left that area, went south about a kilometer to glink back to the Cav Scout, and when we asked if they heard anything, they said they had seen a figure about eight feet tall, and thought it was some kind of Geronimo thing, and when they went to clear it, just disappeared, and they couldn't find any trace of it. Just to top it off, the next morning, the crazy lightning storm hit, and lightning struck the tank we were sleeping in the night before. I didn't believe in, like, skinwalkers until now. Then, but me, the other nine guys, were definitely, we do now. Story 2 The Paktika Incident This was an incident I encountered when the Paktika province of Afghanistan in 2010. We had been there about 90 days and were comfortably patrolling most of the area into the southeast portion where this story takes place. We had been tasked to support a battalion op and set up a screen to scoop any squirters during their operation. The night of the mission comes and we were ready to go and everything is normal until we convey our convoy out to our designated point. My BFT began experiencing issues, but before I was able to pass off navigating duties, it righted itself. Wonderful. Lois bitter to the rescue. We continue moving, but I was rechecking my BFT. I have a feeling our points have moved for some reason. I recheck grids and confirm we are correct, and I shake my feelings, and we move on. We near the area we are supposed to set up, and I can't shake the feeling that the grid is off. Terrain isn't matching up with my map recon, but everything is still reading good, so I again shake off the feeling after confirming higher. We set up vehicles, radio up, and a handful of dismounteds push up with the JFO. I asked the JFO about the grid, and for a third time, I confirm our location, and it was correct. We begin to set up our positions, and as I pull into my IR strobe to mark our position, my skin begins to feel like it's humming. Suddenly, I have a sense that something is above us, and I look up to see the full night sky and stars blacking out as something moves in front of them. It felt like a stadium that was closing its dome. The size of it was that big. 
We had helos on station, but not an out immediate area and no fixed wing either to include drones. Whatever this thing is, it's moving at an impossibly slow rate. I grab my mic to radio up and that's where time ends for me. When I come to, I'm now in a mud hut. It's daytime and obviously I've lost a lot of time. In my hand is the IR strobe I'd pulled out to mark that position. My dagger is fucking loopy, what's new, and my M-beater is zapped. Again, what else is new? No one else seems aware just what happened. Whatever that was, evidently everything has gone to plan and we load back up. My truck crew also appears to have no idea like everyone else, but checking my BFT, we were a full grid square from the briefed mission. No one is upset by this or thinks it's wrong, as if everything went as planned. It was absolutely spooked. For weeks afterwards, I would sporadically see unexplained lights in the sky, which others saw, which brought the same humming feeling under my skin, but with no loss of time. Years later, when I'm doing my retirement out-processing, I'm sent for x-rays to explain something in my right forearm. It told, I'm told it's probably shrapnel from an incident years prior. They find in my right forearm what appears to be an object about the size and shape of a grain of rice with two dark ends. While it appears to be made of plastic, I'm told it's actually metal, probably. While it's in the same place, I often have trouble locating it to share with others. I have no explanations for what happened. I have never encountered another situation like that in Iraq or Afghanistan or anywhere else. Story 3. Seer School Let me tell you about my Seer School scare. This took place back in 2017 during SRE school. Somewhere in the woods and swamps of southern Alabama surrounding Fort Rucker. For those who don't know, during your survival and evasion training, you'll spend quite a bit of time on empty stomachs with little to no water stumbling around the woods, dead reckoning, and evading all over the place. Now, being that you are evading from Kadra who are actively trying to capture you, your goal is to choose the path less traveled, remain camouflaged, stay stealthy, and of course travel primarily during periods of darkness. Now, if you've never been, the woods and swamps of Fort Rucker are pretty thick. Walking around, getting grabbed by brambles, struggling, trying to climb through dense bushes riddled with thorns, tipping over slimy logs, slipping down banks into creeks, thinking you found a clear path only to be met by a giant spiderweb to the face. The navigation was grueling. Top it all off, it was pitch black at night. Hardly any illumination thanks to the overcast, dreary skies, and dense tree top layers. Let me say, I don't think I have ever experienced dark quite like this. It was so dark out that you couldn't even see your hand in front of your face, not an exaggeration. We quite literally had to hold onto the shoulders of the teammate in front of us while navigating through the woods. It was dark, dark, with the nature of evasion and the constant fear of being captured by Seer Cadre, resulting in you getting balled up and slapped around, you don't dare use any light service at night. Maybe it was the severe sleep deprivation, minimal water intake, and not eating anything for several days. But in those woods was one of the most hair-standing encounters I've had to date. From what I recollected, I was the second man in a ranger file of a few people. At the time, I was focusing on keeping my pace count and doing my best to stay within arm's reach of the man in front of me. Spacing out, I am brought back to reality as I walk face first into the point man's back and a clumsy pileup occurs behind me. The point man was stopped dead in his tracks, frozen like a statue. I could tell he was on a high alert. We were all dead silent, listening as hard as we could. For a few moments, you could hear what was the occasional croaking of a frog, chirping of a random creepy crawlies in the woods, and your heartbeat thumping in your ears. Then the skittering across the forest floor. Something was running across the ground somewhere in our front. Was it a boar? A coyote? Then again, silence. A few more moments passed. The point man shifted his feet slightly with a slight crunch of leaves beneath his feet. 
The silence was shattered. A screech filled the air. The screech was loud. It was directly in front of us, maybe just a few feet from our position. The scream continued. I could feel the collective flinch of all of us in the group. We all hunched down. The man behind me grabbed my arm. The panic was real. A momentary break as if the creature was catching its breath. Then another scream filled the air. This time the screech sounded like it was surrounding us, coming from all directions. The skitter of feet and steps began coming towards us at a fast pace. All before what sounded like the fluttering of some large wings and whatever went directly over our heads. Maybe landing just behind us and took off running into the woods. The steps sounded like a gait of a man running at sprint. It ran off into the woods and the steps subsided. We each were shook up. The, we thought we would be captured for sure. After a minute or two, we collected ourselves and continued trudging through the night. Each of us experienced it. We didn't know what to make of it. It was large, whatever it was, man-sized or bigger. Immediately after returning from Sears School, I spent a few nights looking up animal sounds local to the Rucker area. To this day, I have not found anything that comes close to what we heard that night. Maybe it was the Sierra Cadre messing with us. Maybe it was some animal. I do not know. I have no idea what it could have been. Maybe lack of sleep and no food leading to some sort of mass hallucination. But we all heard it. Maybe it was an owl. But in the running stride, it was still has me perplexed. It was running. I looked all over for animal calls on YouTube and listened for hours. Nothing really comes close, specifically owl calls. Bear with me. The noise was a whoop, very loud and sustained and high-pitched, mixed with a type of screech and scream. I've looked into cryptids that may be Alabama, and the downy booger is interesting, some half-man, half-animal creature that was seen a lot in the 1800s. Story 4 The Coconut Crab I was an MP stationed at Camp Hansen in northern Okinawa in the mid-90s. Okinawa is rife with stories about ghosts and strange occurrences, and our area was no exception. Camp Schwab, about 20 minutes north of Hansen, did not have a provost marshal's office, so Schwab was part of our patrol area. There had been rumors of a ghost down by the AAV ramp at Camp Schwab, and it was a well-known thing at the time. The story was that of an AAV had rolled down the ramp one day and killed a little Japanese girl accidentally, and her ghost could be seen in that area at night. One night really late, I was working the overnight shift and headed to Schwab for a routine patrol. We worked in single-car units, so I was alone. I drove down by the AAV ramp and tried to look for the ghost, which I had done many times before. Not seeing anything, I started down this little access road by the waterline. I had only gone a little ways when I noticed movement to the right, just off the road. Suddenly, I saw this big creature come out of the brush. Low to the ground and probably five feet across, it looked like a coconut crab, where a large crustaceans found on the island, but this was much larger, and it moved incredibly quickly. It ran straight at my vehicle and then directly underneath it as I was still rolling. I floored the gas and looked in the rearview to make sure I had passed it, but it had disappeared. Now I thought it was hanging onto my vehicle undercarriage. I slammed the brakes, pulled out my weapon, bolted out of the vehicle, and peered underneath to confront the thing. It was gone. No sign of it. I looked back down the road and nothing was there. No idea how something that big could move so fast and then disappear like that. I never told anyone. It was a while before I went back down by the AV ramp. Story 5 Fujita Me and a buddy from another platoon were pulling gate guard on one of the access roads into the Mount Fuji training. I can't remember what they call the ta, but it's loaded with really long grass that makes movement difficult. It can hide crevices and ravines and shit. 
So we were in a wooded area on the outskirts of the Ta, like midday, me and the dude, G, we were bullshitting about metalcore and drinking, you know, dumb shit, and we heard movement off in the wood line that butted up to this open expanse of field. We both turned to look and see what the noise was, and we thought we saw something large and scaly move into the grass. It was fleeting, but it was one of those, what the fuck was that? I'm not familiar with the local fauna, but it was big, it was fast, a reptile. It had to be the size of a pony. It was huge. Story 6. White Sands. White Sands Missile Range. I got given base housing, and from the start, this house had a really heavy vibe. I couldn't figure out what it was. It starts slowly here, pantry doors open, doors open, stuff move around. My wife at the time had a very different experience. Eventually, her hair would get brushed aside. She'd feel a hand on her and think it was me. When she finally snapped and said, leave me alone, it changed drastically. She started feeling like she got shoved. Whenever I would leave, it would grab her ankle and try to pull her out from bed. She finally began to get scratched and bruised. She was so scared to go there, I had to tell my team leader what was happening. He didn't believe me until one night we were at our wit's end and called him. He came to the house and I was standing there after experiencing nothing for over an hour. When he went to call it a night and told us it's nothing to worry about, the door behind him slammed. The next morning he told my PSG it was legit and they sent me with him to housing. The front desk lady looked at our house number after my wife in tears told her what was happening and said she knew about it. An officer back in the day became violent when his wife started rejecting him and when she finally left he hung himself in the master bedroom closet. Story number seven, missing time at Shoalwater Bay. This occurred during Talisman Saber, 2007 at Shoalwater Bay. I'm not out of the military, but live on the Sunshine Coast, Queensland, Australia, about seven hours drive south of the area. There is a bit to tell, so I'll explain it all in my next message. One incident involved missing time, time slips, the other a UFO Minmin light up close, within 20 meters. Long story short, in 2007, my section at the time was scouting an LUP for Charlie Company, which was mechanized during this exercise at Shoalwater Bay, Talisman Sabre, and also had attached a platoon of Marines. It was day three of a several-week exercise. My section reached the LUP by 1 p.m. and radioed that though the company was good to move through the area, it was around 5 to 5.30 p.m. when they arrived at the LUP and began harboring up for the night and going into night routine. Once the sun had set, my section pushed off again to re-recce another area for the following day, around 7 p.m. We were patrolling for close to an hour when we came across two marines huddled up in a dry creek bed. We found it a bit strange to come across them out where they were, but didn't think too much of it, as on occasion you can come across others out there. When we actually got close enough to where we could see them in the pitch dark, we were shocked. They were so stoked to see us and were demanding how to get back to their platoon, saying they had been lost for ages and can't find their way back. They were soaking wet as if they had just jumped in and out of a pool, yet nothing else was wet around the area. They also only had their weapons on them. No body armor, no webbing, no nothing, only their weapons. They then proceeded to tell us that they had been there for a while and that they were with the same marine platoon attached to Charlie Company, our company. 
No one knew what the hell was going on, as it would have been absolutely impossible for them to get that distance they were ahead of us in such a short period of time. My section were the only ones to move out from that location during that time frame. And we found them. They were in a real hurry to get out of there, so we gave them a bearing to head back to the harbor we came from and radioed through that they're on their way. That was the last we heard about it. Nothing more was said during the rest of the time out there. What was really strange, though, was that it started pissing rain at about 2 a.m. the next morning, absolutely drenching us. Was there a time slip of some kind? Who knows? I honestly have no idea. It wasn't until years later that I heard about time slips and glitches. This incident and the one prior to this one with a UFO really sent me on a path that desperate to know more. I've also still got a video of a silver ball way up in the sky that I witnessed for over 20 minutes sitting in the one spot. It's hard to see in the video, but once you zoom in, you can see it. And also, when the sun hits it, kind of creepy, looks like it's rotating or morphing. I've taken a few skills from the clip also, happening about 11 a.m. on a sunny day. Story 8 the ghost of General Patton. Stationed in Heidelberg Hospital, Germany, where he died, I don't know at the time, but one night I did 24-hour call in the operating room. You're alone, and mind you, no one can come up with a code to the third floor. At midnight, we have to do our routine checks, so I go room to room and finally towards the OR suits. Before walking through the double doors, I heard footsteps behind me. I looked back and saw nothing. As I got closer to the double doors, not only I heard footsteps, but a reflection of someone walking behind me. I turned back as quickly as possible and saw nothing. I thought I was tired and seeing things, so I shrugged it off. As I finished my final checks in the OR suits, I could, or suites, I could hear footsteps again. I felt chill from behind me and could feel the temp drop in the room. I run back to the rest area and I stayed up all night freaked out. A few weeks later I find out that General Patton died in that hospital. I joked about it to one of my lab tech buddies and he said I'm not the only one who's seen such things. There were other rumors that at night you would occasionally see a shadowy figure marching along the parade field in the back end of the hospital. It was fucking crazy. Story 9. Trespassers. Alright, the first one. I was a boot machine gunner, so I pulled 0300 watch with an assault man that I was peers with. We were training at one of the smaller mount towns. We were tasked with making a comms check at the beginning of a fire watch. We had crappy signal where we were so bad we had to go to the top of a three-story Connex box building before we got any. Before making that comms check, I got this really eerie feeling that something was looking at me from the bottom of that three-story building. I eventually nutted up and run out the building and made sure not to look inside in case I did see something watching. I made the check and ran back downstairs, and once I got back, my buddy standing watch with me asked if I feel like we were being watched. I have not told him yet anything about what I felt. I told him yes and that I'm not looking anywhere because I really don't want to know what it was. At about 4 a.m. I get a feeling of relief, like whatever has been watching us is gone. I didn't say anything, but at the moment of relief, my buddy said, it's gone. During that same week, one of my machine gun peers that is all of 225 pounds and 6 foot 5 was found drunk up about 15 feet from his pack in a sleeping bag without any footsteps in the sand near him. A year later, at the same small mount town in 29, we were training in the middle of the day, conducting fire team clearing. One of the boot 11s came to us saying that there was a black marine in woodland camis watching us. 
all of my guys said that it was black marine and woodlands and a eight point cover. We were all in desert, so we go to investigate. We have the whole platoon looking through a town of about ten buildings. Nothing. Someone sees him again in a two-story. We rush the building and he's gone. We are in the middle of nowhere, in the desert, and no one saw this guy come in and no one saw this guy leave. Story 10. Shadow Watcher. I was a Marine on my third field op somewhere in Camp Pendleton. I had heard stories before but never was really a believer till the night I was on post. It's around balls that I had watch. During my best to stay awake but scan my sectors because I knew my senior lances would destroy me. So there I was in the bush and the PB when I saw it. As best as I can describe it, it was a man but darker than area around him. Almost like he was made of pure darkness. So I thought it was maybe a patrol coming back, so I flashed it with the infrared on the PVS-14s. Nothing happened, so I did two more times, because maybe he didn't see me. Still nothing. At this point, I thought maybe I was seeing things because I was tired or it was a very weird bush. Everything that my mind made up was instantly proven false by me thinking about it. That's when I got the good idea to try using the thermals we had, so I looked through it and pointed at, at the shadow, but it didn't show up. No difference on heat or lack of it, like it was just part of the environment. So I switched to the NVGs and back to thermals twice, and same result. I was glad I didn't tell anyone because they probably wouldn't have believed me, and I was damn quick to get out of there back to the PB because at least I was around others. Didn't sleep that night, until this day I wonder what I saw. Was it a shadow man? A ghost? Whatever it was, it had no thermal signature and it creeped me out. The Back 40 Story 11, The Back 40. The year is 2019, in TA-19. It's one of the bigger TAs for hunting. I'm an avid hunter, so I follow the wind and walk way into the TAs. Well, because of the wind in my spot, I was going to turn a simple 15-minute walk into almost an hour. Well, I get set up and see nothing, but I stayed till dark come down from my stand and start walking back with just my gear. I'm followed an old logging trail that's overgrown. I'm about 10 minutes into my walk back and I hear a pig just going crazy like it's been attacked about 200 yards from me in some open fields that's been taken over by tall grass. Doesn't really bother me because I'm North Carolina where I'm from that's common for coyotes to gang up on a lone pig you hear it in the woods sometimes. As I keep walking, something doesn't sound right when it dies. It made a loud gurgle like when you slash a neck. Then it went silent like the entire woods went dead. No bugs, nothing. I ignore it and keep going. At this point, I may be 25 minutes into it, still following the old trail. Suddenly, my hair stand up all over my body and I freeze and just pause to listen. About 100 yards away, I could hear the sound of an animal running on all fours on the trail, then darts into the woods to my right. By the sound of feet, then become just two, and I can hear it getting in front of me. Nothing I can do, so I just keep walking. Hairs on my body won't go down, and still the woods were dead silent. At this point, I'm feeling in my pockets for how many rounds I have in case I have to reload my slug gun. It just keeps it's just keeping to my right just out of sight of my headlight but when I get close it would dart ahead again. At this point I'm only 15 minutes from being out and back to my truck. As I keep going I see this blur of fur run into the trail and onto my left side. When I see the mass run into the trail I freeze. You could hear a panting only about 40 yards in the brush. 
as I'm shining my light in the direction I could see its eyes glimmer. They had a red tint. It had to have been over five feet tall, and I'm six foot. At that moment, I only did the only thing I could think of and shot two rounds and started running. Ran right past where it crossed the trail. I don't know if I was paranoid at this point, but it sounded like it kept up, but I didn't want to attack because I had a real weapon. I just ran until I got back to my truck. I hopped in and drove away like a bat out of hell. To this day, I still don't stay out to dark hunting the back 40. Story 12 Ski My dad's roommate was drafted into Vietnam. At the time the story takes place, he was the RTO at his BNHQ. So one of the platoons calls up on the radio, skeet shooting, and he was like, what the fuck does that mean? As it turned out, the platoon had this guy who went by ski. He was a Polish immigrant, and his English wasn't great. A couple of weeks before, Ski shot and killed a little girl in a village. Dude pretty much broke down. He claimed he kept seeing her. When they were on patrols, he would start shooting at her if he saw her. Of course, he was the only one seeing her. So they stretched him a little bit by setting him out some patrols because he was becoming a liability in his current state. But sometimes when he started shooting, someone would call up, Ski is shooting. He described her as being five years old and naked. Anyway, few rounds with the psychologist and he was sent home. Replacements were always coming in and one guy was sent to HQ with my dad's college roommate. One of the first nights there, he sees a little naked girl in their tent at night. He yelled at her and went back to sleep. Next morning, he asked about a little girl in the tent. He described her as being about five and naked. Everyone is shocked and told him about Ski. He doesn't quite buy it, and it takes it all the way up to Brigade because he thinks some soldiers are trafficking in fucking children. Comes back down, and investigation begins. The story and details were consistent among everyone interviewed, and the cases was closed. Apparently, the psychologist shrugged it off and said it wasn't far from the weirdest he'd heard about, especially in Vietnam. Story 13, Fort Benning, 1999. I went to basic in 99, Fort Benning. If people aren't familiar with typical Army basic starships, Main entrance is up to the DS office and the back of the bay is where Joe's bathrooms are always and it has a small access stairway to the CTA which is referred to as the back door. One night the guys on fire guard told us something strange happened on their shift. Usually the CQ drill sergeant would come in through main double doors at the main front of the bay where he would have his inspections but this particular time was different. The guys on guard said they both watched the drill sergeant come in the back door and immediately turn into one of the bathroom doors. The Joe latrines were basically linear with two doors at each end. The guard stood at parade rest for a short moment and never saw the drill sergeant come out. You just never know. You may have been doing part of inspections, making sure no one was doing shady shit at the bathrooms. But when they said it seemed too long to be taken in there, the guards decided to see if the DS needed anything. One fire guard stayed up at the fire guard desk in the front of the bay, and the other guy walked down to the latrine door opposite of the one the drill sergeant walked in from. It was at this point the guy at the fire guard desk sensed something strange. When his partner walked into the bathroom door, the motion light kicked on. The desk guy then said he saw his partner come out of the other door on where the drill sergeant was seen entering. The fire guarder went to meet him. The drill sergeant came back up to the fire guard desk and both guys were confused as fuck. Both guys were asking where the drill sergeant was. The guy then went to the bathroom, should have ran into him, but he thought maybe the DS walked out of the other door as he had entered from the other one, just missing each other by seconds. The guy at the desk swore up and down that the drill sergeant never walked out of the latrines. 
The exit lights were bright enough to illuminate the entire walkway, and he was at parade rest the entire time looking straight at the door. It's at that moment they realized something spooky was happening because he told his partner about how the motion lights turned on when he had walked into the latrines, but they both didn't see the bathroom lights go on when the drill sergeant walked in there first time. The next day we brought it up to our drill sergeant and he smiled and asked us what color uniform was the drill sergeant. They saw wearing. The two fire guard guys said it was a solid dark color. Our DS asked if he appeared like a solid olive green, and the two Joes said, yeah, I think so. Our drill sergeant didn't say anything other than, yeah, we haven't worn those uniforms since, like, 1985. And he just smiled and went on handing out our mail. Mind you, in 1999, we were wearing the M81 woodland pattern. I never asked, but we all figured the cadre was aware of it. Story 14. New Zealand Navy. Royal New Zealand Navy officer here. This happened fairly recently and is something I have never seen in the 16 year service to date. It was in the Pacific region. We had recently been detached from a task group and were operating independently making our way back to New Zealand. After participating in multinational exercises south and around Guam and the South China Sea. The sea conditions were very calm, with the sea conditions were very calm, with no swell or white caps on the ocean and no wind. The sea surface was nearly a mere finish. I was up doing my forenoon set of rounds on the upper decks. The time was about 1,000 hours. The only breeze was the relative wind of the ship cruising at 17 knots. I looked casually out at the starboard and saw a very unusual disturbance on the surface of the water on our beam at about one cable, which is 200 yards. Initially, I thought it may have been a school of fish working up on the surface of our mammalian sea life breaking the surface, dolphins or whales perhaps. I didn't think much of this as it was fairly common. I went back to my rounds and then noticed that the disturbance was maintaining station with us, or keeping the same speed and distance. This was unusual, so I stopped and paid attention to the disturbance on the surface. I went to the nearest section with binoculars and under magnification the disturbance of the water looked like something was thrusting down into the water, where their nearest descriptor I would use is either a helicopter or turbine blast onto the water's surface. At this point, this disturbance had now been maintaining station for a mile to two. Now there was three of us looking at this disturbance, all confused as fuck, and then the disturbance started moving forward and astern of us, not overly fast, maybe no more than four times the speed of the ship, and also moved closer to about 100 yards and the two cable yard distance from 400 yards. After this period of movement, it weakened down to nothing and the sea was flat and calm all around us. The whole time there was no noise except that of our own ship, no wind, no cloud, no rain, no environmental conditions that could reasonably explain what we saw. There were no known aircraft flying at the time, and there was no other known units operating within over 100 miles of us. No idea what it was. Possibility of an unknown but controlled subsurface vessel or craft, rare environmental phenomenon caused by the ship, or an aerial craft that wasn't visible or for whatever reason. We only had basic navigation, surface, and a helicopter control radar operating. No contacts were being tracked at the time on any of the three radars in use. Story 15 JBLM Vietnam Village Vietnam Village Area and Out by the Land Nav Course. 
I've twice heard some incredible weird shit, and as a PNW local, I'm very familiar with the animals that inhabit the western part of the Cascade region. Those weren't typical noises made by any animal I've ever heard. One of those hotspots was Regensburg, an old mock village that gets lots of use. My platoon was out doing Op 4 for another battalion's training effort. We only stayed one night and slept in the wooden buildings in the village. Around 1 or 2 a.m., I got up to take a leak and wandered over to the edge of the village. Now, if you've ever seen a map of Regensburg, you know it's down in a depressing or a depression sort of like an amphitheater with one easy way of access from the south. I was at the north end where the hills are steep and it only passable along two well-worn trails that were dangerously even during the day. While I was doing my shit, I heard what at first sounded sort of like an elk bugle, but it was May. I shouldn't have been hearing a bugle this early in the year. My gut reaction was so deeply visceral that something deep in me told me to run, but logic told me there was nothing to be afraid of. I've spent most of my life hunting and hiking the western half of the Cascade region that goes from the Canadian border all the way through the southern Oregon. I had never heard a noise like that, not from any species of animal or even had that instinctual response to flee at any point previously. I stuffed my stuff back in my pants and started moving back to the where the boys and I had bedded down when I heard it again. This time it sounded much closer. It was like whatever it was had raced down the ridge surrounding Regensburg and was moving generally towards me. It's hard to pinpoint noises in that area because of the terrain, but again instincts told me to run. I beat feet back to my bag as fast as I could. I stayed up the rest of the night. I didn't wake the boys for fear of sounding the alarm over what could very well have been something completely normal and looking like a moron in the process. The next day was my last day with the platoon before going off to do an internship with the forest service before ETSing. I spent about 60 nights in the woods during that internship in some of the most remote areas of the Cascades and never heard anything like that sound ever again. I did tell one of the FS employees about it and he just laughed, saying something like, Our minds play tricks on us in the timber, but that doesn't mean what happened to you was a figment of your imagination. Everyone has stories. Yours just happens to be on I've heard before. One I've heard before. That put me at ease for the time being, but I can't sleep in the woods alone like I could before. I have to be with someone, or at least a dog. Total speculation not based off anything other than the location and several opinions I've heard. Possibly Sasquatch, but I have nothing to confirm that. There was long been stories of Sasquatch sightings and really weird occurrences in the woods around Fort Lewis and down the entire Cascade Range for that matter. Story 16. The Black Triangle over Fort Hood. Fort Hood. We were out in the woods as usual for our standard training infantry company. We were finished with training and sorting out between the squad. Who will start the first shift of fire watch while everyone else was preparing to go to sleep. Out and away from the town base and city lights where there was zero light pollution, it was quite the scenic view of the stars. The whole night sky is lit up with natural light, so it's very obvious when something is obstructing them in the dark. During this time, we observed an odd triangle shape that appeared to be floating in the distance. It appeared to be extremely large in size, and I mean miles across. This triangle blocked off the stars in the distance where it was floating. It was stationary and didn't move. After about 10 minutes, it abruptly vanished. We were used to seeing military planes and helicopters fly very often, and this dwarfed even the biggest in size. Story 17. UFO over 29 Palms. I have a UFO story that took place out at 29 Palms in 2013. I was a Marine ramping up for our deployment to Afghanistan, so we went to 29 Palms for about 45 days for CAX, Combined Arms Exercise. 
When we got there, a bunch of us got sent to a makeshift FOB somewhere on base, and they simulated attacks, and we did patrols, etc. We had porter shitters to use the bathroom in, and one night I woke up to piss. It was around 2 to 3 a.m., and while walking to the john, I looked up and saw five triangular-shaped lights. It wasn't really moving or anything, and I said out loud, Holy shit, that's a UFO. Almost like it heard me. Once I said that, the lights immediately shut off and it was gone. I took my piss and ran back to my hooch and woke up everyone to tell them, but they pretty much told me to go fuck myself and go back to sleep. A lot of people say it was just a stealth bomber or something, but it wasn't moving, and so I don't think it was. Story 18. Shadow Men. Afghanistan. What I've seen has always been like glimpses. I always thought it was my mind, my eyes fucking with me. It was brought up one time after being out and about, and the guys with me were like, you saw that shit too? So right then and there, we all knew it wasn't just our minds playing tricks. The locals called them shadow men. But they all had stories about them and were very familiar with them. For me, they were noticeable right after sundown when we still had a bit of ambient light twilight but occasionally i'd see them darting across the sources of lights headlights weapon lights flashlights etc but they were so quick you'd think it was just your mind playing tricks creepiest shit i've seen though was tall slender humanoids walking around in the mountains that we could only see on thermal they showed up on thermal as cold i've seen the same shit in the woods of east texas as well under thermal while hunting hogs I saw that these things would spook animals around them, goats and deer, but I've heard no sounds from them general, and I've not seen anything interact with them. I've been close, probably 30 meters from one that I could not hear walking around, but before then I could clearly hear deer walking and munching on corn. Story 19, The Big Guy. I've got a story not too long. Active duty army, four years in so far. This starts back in BCT in the lovely hills and plains of Fort Sill, Oklahoma. In mid-February, FTX 2 for my battery. Platoon has the fire base with the tents and a diamond set up and rotating patrols and hour-long guard shifts at the two high points on opposite ends of the setup. Me and a buddy, let's call him D, have a shift that night. We wake up and it's totally dark with barely any light except for floodlights around the drill sergeant's tent in the center of the diamond. Me and D are guarding the west point of the diamond, the furthest from the road and the least well lit. Me and D are from different parts of the country, but one thing our states had in common was a super strong attachment to indigenous people and their lore. In Algonquin and many other types of native folklore, there are tales of men who are in the dead of winter kill and eat other humans, and from this their skin goes gray and cold, and their body grows so that their hunger is never sated. You aren't supposed to say their names because they summons them, so they just call them the big guys. Well, somehow me and Dee started talking about this stuff and how Sill is literally built on native graveyards, basically. As we discuss what big guys are and the folklore surrounding them, we hear branches crack just out past where the lights reach and further out into the tall grass. We see something huge, something animal but vaguely human, lumbering in grass that was waist high on guys that were easily six feet tall. And this thing was on all fours and moving slowly like it was prowling. It stopped and looked right at me and then D, and we stood there petrified in its gaze until something else caught its eyes and it turned and left us. This thing looked human, but it was cold and fuck off huge, not to mention gaunt as hell despite its size. There weren't antlers though. It was very human simultaneously, very not human, more like a rake than an ape but I had to guess I'd say it was pale. We shut our traps and waited for the rest of our shift, scared out of our minds until the relief came. I swear whatever the great power it was, that it was the big guy, and this isn't the first time, and I doubt it'll be the last time I see one of them. 
I ain't gonna say what the big guys are called, that's bad shit, and what probably brought the big guy out to the FTX to begin with was all talking about it. Sorry if I sound like I'm being evasive, but this shit shook me, and it's real. Haven't said their actual name since then. Story 20. A comeback. Not paranormal, but cool. Army infantryman here and one of the guys on my team swears still to this day that he saw a tiger on guard one night. We had hit an IED outside this little town called Bazar Kone in a river village about three hours north of Herat. He had guard in a Humvee turret overlooking the valley. All open grass fields around him. He said he watched the tiger walk up the hill toward him in the truck, then stop about 10 feet from him and realize someone was there and bolted up the hill and out of view. They say the Afghan tiger went extinct in 1950s, but he swears he saw one. I believe him. He's a solid dude. This was June 2010. The grid where his truck was is located in these coordinates. I'll go ahead and give a bonus one for that one. USS Milius. I was on the Milius DDG-69 and an engineer. In one particular engineering space, you always felt like someone was watching you. So much so that during the watches at night, people would completely avoid going down. Lucky me, it was my space, so I was down there a lot. You'd randomly get chills and you would hear someone walking on the deck plates. When you would look, no one would be there. We decided to make a Ouija board during an underway and had topsiders come down to the space. They didn't know about it and we wanted it to be less biased instead of having everyone who was scared shitless to begin with. We started asking the typical questions, is anyone with us, etc. When it moved, we all looked shocked and looked at one another as if to silently ask if anyone moved it. We all nervously shook our head, but continued. We had an officer that killed himself, and we asked if he was ever with us. It answered questions about the officer that none of us knew, and the answers ended up being correct. It was really fucking crazy, and we decided not to try and talk to whatever it was again. Since it was my space, though, I made a nickname for him and would always greet him when going down to the space. Topsiders were also used to saying that he would hear voices on their radios to check spaces. When they'd ask who was talking, there was never any answers. USS Milius Part 2 To add what I experienced on the Milius, I also experienced a man in my house in military housing in Chula Vista Lofkin Terrace. Someone in a nearby house actually caught the shadow man on their baby monitor. I used to think it was the same thing on my ship and it followed me home, but honestly, I have no fucking clue. You'd get a very eerie feeling in the house and it wouldn't be all the time, but only certain nights you'd feel like someone was watching you. I saw him a couple of times, very tall, around maybe six foot four or more. You could see his silhouette and he had a hat on, like a cowboy hat maybe. He would always stay far back and just stare. If we were in the living room, you'd feel like someone was in the kitchen observing your every move. You'd also feel it in our son's room upstairs a lot. USS Milius Part 3 My son used to have night terrors. It's common for toddlers, but not a three-month-old. He started getting them at that age, and he had randomly until we left that house. Whenever we left, but he never had them again. Maybe it was a coincidence, but it was strange for it last, uh, lasted almost two years and then just be done that fast. When you'd feel the presence in his room, it was always cold to one side of the room. We lived in Cali with no air and it was hot as fuck, but it would be cold in this room. When he would have night terrors, he was basically stuck in a dream and would be terrified of us. When we woke him, he would sleepwalk and scream and stay awake as long as he could. Waking him up was impossible, and this would go on for anywhere between an hour or two. He would also talk to the corner of the room that would get cold. Military housing usually has Facebook pages for neighbors to communicate. 
When I scrolled through one day, a lady posted the picture that she caught on her baby camera. It was the same tall man with a hat on looking over the crib at her sleeping child. She assured to everyone that no one else was in the house. Some were skeptical, but I never knew whatever was in my house was in hers too. She lived four doors down from me. That's what I get for messing with Ouija boards. Thank you very much for listening to this broadcast of the Beyond Top Secret Texan. I am the Beyond Top Secret Texan. Namaste and Shalom. Iron sharpens iron. A friend sharpens a friend. You listen to 20 paranormal military stories submitted by Anons. Thank you all very much. Listeners, new and old alike, thank you all very much for checking out Linktree slash Beyond Top Secret Texan. Following and subscribing on my social media accounts for daily dark web evidence uploads as well as up to the minute notifications for what this channel is doing you can follow my telegram group instagram group twitter and everything share those with your friends share them on social media yourself share them online on 4chan reddit everything helps thank you all those that choose to uh, submit a tip whatever loose change you have around will go straight to this podcast and the broadcast forever um that's how it's always going to be everything goes into creating a better listening experience and thank you all very much for tuning in next time to the beyond top secret texan peace out